esteem their honour and be ready to embrace it, they should persist in endeavouring to force the inclinations of another, for whom it was impossible to agree to a proposition of that nature, and that she had vowed herself, as much as in her power, to another sort of life, out of which she could never think she should be happy. She suggested, charitably, that maybe he would be more interested in marrying her aunt instead. Peterborough tried to talk her around, but she would not be persuaded by his charms, and it took her mother's intervention to force her into the match. Famously, she is reported to have wept for days over having to marry this much older man from a foreign land whom she had never met. She was torn from her chosen path in life, and forced onto a far more difficult road. In second place in the unhappiness stakes was the English Parliament, who were outraged at the lack of consultation and that yet another member of the royal family was marrying a foreign Catholic. Remember, Parliament was entering its most virulent anti-Catholic phase, and there was talk of insurrection over both this marriage and that of Charles II with Catherine of Braganza. But both the King and Duke were not ones to pay much store by Parliament's religious fundamentalism, and insisted that the marriage go ahead. On the 20th of September, 1674, at the Ducal Palace in Modena, Mary was married by proxy to James, Duke of York, with the Earl of Peterborough standing in as proxy for his master. The Bishop of Modena had declined to officiate over the ceremony, as the Pope had, for complex reasons, withdrawn his dispensation. So it was presided over by the court chaplain. It was a magnificent occasion nonetheless, befitting the significance of the marriage. The daughter of Modena was marrying the heir apparent to the thrones of three kingdoms. She may well be on the road to becoming a queen. She set out from her new homeland a few days later, with her brother, the Duke of Modena, accompanying her for the first few days. She is said to have been in tears again when he departed her side. She was escorted by Peterborough and his entourage and was accompanied by her mother, along with assorted Italian hangers-on. It was a long journey, first up through Italy and across the Alps to France, and then a slow progress north through Savoy and Lyon, finally arriving in Versailles a month later. There, she was greeted in state by Louis XIV. She then learned that Parliament and the King were still fighting over the marriage, but that Charles was committed to upholding the agreement. Still, it can't have given much comfort for Mary, still remember, just a teenager, as she waited to make the final part of her journey. After some much-needed rest, she left Paris and reached Calais in late November, where she was forced to do something that is never advisable, crossing the Channel in winter. I haven't found anything in the way of a description of the journey, but it can't have been comfortable, and so it must have been with some great relief that she arrived in Dover on the 22nd of November. There, she was greeted rather gallantly on the beach by her new husband, but not many others. The political position in England was so precarious that few dared align themselves with this marriage. That 